0: Hey, everybody. This is Sam Osa recording at the intersections of class, race, and gender and the movements that fight back every Saturday at 1 30 p.m. Today, we are going to cover just a couple of things. I'm going to talk to you about the history of International Women's Day. We are going to talk about some, <laughs> I think, important thing that is getting left out of the whole Ukrainian. Russia, U.S. World War III thing, and then we are going to bring it back home to a victory that has happened thanks to Texas Hauser's Northeast Action Collective and the Harvey Survivor Caucus, and we're going to talk about a town hall coming up uh, for Pasadena ISD because they are criminalizing the shit out of kids. So first up, International Women's Day. So, you you know, that's been turned into like a whole month and it's been just going on. It's in everybody's mind right now. And I just wanted to remind you in case you didn't know that um, (laughs) International Women's Day has its roots in socialist and communist movements. So the first known uh, National Women's Day, started on February 28, 1909, organized in New York by the Socialist Party of America. There have been claims that the day was created by commemorating a protest by women garment workers in New York on March 8, ni- 1857. But researchers have alleged this to be a myth. Uh, but that's, you know, <laughs> they're probably trying to detach it from its socialist origin. So in other areas of the world during this time, um, as early as 1917, it became an official holiday in the Soviet Union and um, communist leader Dolores Ibarruri led a women's march in Madrid in 1936 on the eve of the Spanish Civil War. Chinese communists observed the holiday beginning in 1922. So it became adopted by the United Nations in like 1967 when it was taken up by second wave feminists. It reemerged as a day of activism, and it was known in Europe as the Women's International Day of Struggle. In the 1970s and 1980s, we got third wave feminists coming through, and this is when it started to lose its socialist and communist origins. By the early 2000s, it was adopted by corporations, and you know damn well it completely lost its socialist and communist origins when the corporations took it up. So uh, there's your little history. Um, It's amazing how so many U.S. holidays and different (laughs) things that we celebrate lose their original meaning that's on purpose. So we have world war three, like imminent, right? Um, with the Ukraine, Russia stuff, I know you're tired hearing about it, but there's something I really want you to know about that. They, I think they're, they're leaving out of the news and they really shouldn't be. The Ukrainian government is riddled with Nazis. Back in 2014, there was a democratically elected president who decided to be neutral. And the U.S. backed a coup to overthrow him. Guess who led the coup? Ukraine's neo-Nazi savoda Party and its founder, Ole Tanya Bach and Adri Parabui. I definitely jacked up those names. I deeply apologize. Um, but... These neo-Nazis played a leading role in the U S backed coup in February, 2014. Um, so (laughs) I'm not saying all Ukrainians are Nazis. That is definitely not what I'm saying. I am not saying that Russia Putin has justification for invading Ukraine. I am not saying that either. What I am saying is that they are leaving this out of the news. They're leaving this out of the news. So much so that there is corporate media footage across international media outlets showing the military, the Ukrainian military, and they are sporting the Black Sun. The Black Sun is a Nazi symbol. And there are are other symbols that I wasn't even familiar with, But like everybody knows what the Black Sun is like, why is corporate media showing footage of Ukrainian military with the Black Sun and not being critical about it? Um, That's a whole rant in itself. But I just really, really acutely want you to be aware of this. Um, The US in 2014 did not like that the Ukraine government uh, democratically elected a neutral entity. So I was curious to see what Ukraine exports. Ukraine is a major producer and exporter of wheat, corn, and sunflower oil. They also have natural gas. They have 89% natural gas, oil 7.9%, and gas condensate 3.1%. So they are also a major exporter of natural gas. So it's no wonder that having a neutral Ukrainian government did not suit the U.S. empire. So they did a U.S.-backed coup in 2014, and it was led by the Nazi party in Ukraine. So I just want you to know that. Um, also, while I was in this, this, uh, this hole of just like garbage because I hate myself, um, I looked up NATO. So NATO, for those of you who aren't completely sure what it is. It is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It's also called the North Atlantic Alliance. NATO is an intergovernmental military alliance among 28 European countries and two North American countries. It was established in the aftermath of World War II. The organization implements the North Atlantic Treaty, signed April 4th, 1949. So a couple red flags for me. Military Alliance, uh, <laughs> If you are at all well-versed in how military works, it is very colonialist, it's very imperialist, and it's always, well, I don't want to say always, but it's most usually, especially in our day of age, spearheaded by white supremacists, whether they realize it or not. Um, So that's that's NATO for you, and something I want to point out to you for NATO um. So Hitler's chief of staff, Adolf Hussinger, um, (laughs) was made chairman of the NATO military committee. Essentially, he was NATO's chief of staff in 1961, and he was that through 1964. So he went from being Hitler's chief of staff to NATO's chief of staff until 1964. And he was not the only Nazi to join NATO after World War II. This is not a unique thing. NASA absorbed Nazis after World War II. The CIA absorbed Nazis after World War II. Um, So, you know, it just seems kind of natural that, like, why not NATO? They can have Nazis. Everybody gets Nazi. Um, So knowing this history of NATO and, like, who they allowed to be commanders through the 60s and 70s, I think it's very, very telling. Um, Just right so so again what i'm not saying is that all ukrainian are nazis i am not saying that and i am not saying that putin is justified in invading ukraine i'm not saying that either what i am saying is that they are leaving out that the ukrainian government is far right <laughs> imposes more of a threat to the citizens themselves and i am also saying that NATO themselves has seeds of um, accepting Nazis. And I want you to be aware of that because they are leaving this out of the news cycle. And I think it's important for everybody to have that lens. Um, okay who saw that was hard. I understand it was but I do have some good shit coming for you. Oh, yeah. So thanks to the efforts of Texas Housers Northeast Action Collective a Harvey Survivor Caucus. There is an actual federal investigation into uh, the General Land Office, the Texas General Land Office. Um. So this is from HoustonPublicMedia.org. The General Land Office discriminated against minorities in Houston and Harris County when denying federal relief, uh, HUD, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development says. Um, So HUD, Housing and Urban Development, found GLOW, the General Land Office, to be in violation of Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 the law enacted to enforce the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Um, So Texas Housers, Northeast Action Collective, uh, the Harvey Survivor Caucus, they filed a complaint, a civil rights complaint, against the General Land Office last year. And now it is coming to light, and there's a chance that there would be some accountability. Um, I have interviewed folks at Texas Housers. I've talked to people from the Northeast Action Collective. Um, And we've, uh, was it, West Street Recovery had recorded some interviews for the Harvey Survivor Caucus, which I aired for you guys before. And it's just bullshit. Like, it's been, what, almost five years now? since Harvey. And there are so many black and brown residents that still do not have housing justice. They, their house still has molds. Their house is still uninhabitable. And these government systems that are supposed to be in there to help them do not allocate the money appropriately. It was supposed to be $750 million in federal hurricane Harvey relief um and Harris County requested more than 1 billion in federal relief and just for like some context the storm costed the region more than 125 billion in total damage so anyway thanks to the relentless relentless community work from Texas Housers northeast uh, action collective Houston Harvey Um, I mean, a Harvey Survivor Caucus, there is going to be an actual like investigation now. If, you know, flooding is a big concern to you, um, I would encourage you to follow up with the Northeast Action Collective, West Street Recovery, Texas Housers. You're not alone in any of this, like (laughs) from... From, like, the the working struggle to the crap that's happening with the Ukrainian war and gas prices and all of this nonsense and, and you know, the, the flood troubles and the housing struggles. You are not alone. Please don't ever lose sight of that. Ah, so there's that. Congratulations to the people involved in that movement. That is a very huge win. So next up. Um, all of my Pasadena people, <laughs> I love Pasadena. I have a very, very soft spot for Pasadena. Um, but if you have a student in Pasadena ISD, did you know that Pasadena ISD disciplines and arrests students at higher rates than larger school districts like Dallas, Austin, and Fort Worth? Black students are particularly affected by these policies, Black students make up seven and a half percent of the PISD student body, but account for 15.3% of referrals to the summit and suspensions. What? <laughs> they only make up 175 of the PISD student body, but account for 153 of referrals to the summit and suspensions the summit is like their DAAP like their um, like detention on steroids kind of thing so there is going to be a town hall on this it's coming up this wednesday march 16th at 5:30 p.m. it will be at the multicultural 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 center 951 tri-star drive Webster 77598 951 Tristar Drive Webster 77598 During this town hall it's going to be parents students community members who want an in-person town hall to discuss the district's student disciplinary practices and then go from there. If you want to stay tuned and stay abreast of the situation. You can follow Educators for PISD on Instagram. Um, I don't know. I don't think they have a Facebook, but uh, they're definitely on Instagram. That's Educators for PISD. So I plan on being there. Um, I hope to see you there. And I'm. my goal is to try and um, interview and record some people there. So, so next Saturday, we can listen in from people from Pasadena directly on their experience with the uh, with the policies, with the student disciplinary practices that Pasadena ISD has. And the police state is just really overarching y'all. It, it really is. Um, so that is all I have for you today. This is a short one. Um, but if you missed this, you can always go to Unconventional Journalist, wherever you get your podcasts, and tune in again. And um, it's such a beautiful Saturday. I'm about to go garden. So, um, yeah, so have a lovely day.